All right, we are back with another episode of Eat, Pray, Judge, and today we have a very special guest on the podcast, the one and only Zilla Vodnas, a uh, stand-up comedian here in New York City. Oh, thanks for having me back. Yes, uh, of course, Zilla's been on the pod before, not once, but twice, so this is your, this is your hat trick, your trifecta, your third appearance on the show, and uh, for anybody that wants to they can go <laughs> back in time. And we did a very spooky, two spooky episodes. We did Poltergeist and Candyman. Yeah. All right, Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. You co-hosted. <laughs> we yeah. could do another Candyman one when the uh, new movie drops. We should. Uh, agreed. And that way, Sammy, you can jump on board for that one, too. I'll, I'll be there. I'll definitely yeah. try my best. So uh, I'm really excited about today because we're all three 80s babies talking about uh, Karate Kid, which came out in 1984. And that uh, we, we recently covered that year for um, Back to the Future. But uh, do, do either of you have any memories uh, from 1984, any pop culture that, that uh, st- stood out to you from that time? I mean, I was two. So. <laughs> so no. Yeah, you were. Your parents had you uh, swaddled in a crib with a uh, Xavier Roberts Cabbage Patch doll. Absolutely, and I mean, my brother and sister were older, so I got the trickle down economics of Karate Kid from them. Uh huh. Very. Uh, I love your uh, Ronald Reagan reference with that yeah. trickle down economics. Speaking of trickle down economics, <laughs> we were like dead smack dab in the middle of uh, the Reagan era. Um, pop culture. I mean, everything about the eighties that reminds anything that the eighties uh, always brings up like music to me. Ultimately, like, mm-hmm. that's that's the one like resonating factor that. Every time I hear a song from that era, it just takes you back almost immediately, which, I mean, now that we're covering Karate Kid, obviously the soundtrack had a huge, uh, huge influence on like its popularity, I think. Um, top song that year, Like a Virgin by Madonna. Funniest Woman on the Planet was Joan Rivers, whatever that means. What an arbitrary list. Weird Al Yankovic burst onto the scene. Um, the most famous person in the world was a man named Bob Geldof. I have no idea who that is. If you guys know, go ahead and chime in. Sammy, did you say Bob Geldof? I sure did, Gabe. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, like a like a baby boomer, uh, international rock promoter. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. Okay. Now that, that now I have some context. I got it. Yeah, he was the, he was the man behind the music. Mm-hmm. For for this era, uh, and uh, so I think I saw Karate Kid in 1984. Did you really? Yeah, I was a tiny tot in the movie theater. This is actually I just realized our third uh, our third 1984 movie in about a month and a half because Amadeus also came out in in uh, 84. Sorry, 84, not 94. Yeah, yeah, I saw this in a mall in Southern California, so. Uh- like right, right deep in that pop culture vein. That's very appropriate. Yes, yes. So the theater was filled with kids celebrating um, that their that lifestyle, that Southern California going to a karate dojo lifestyle. 
Were you rocking a Where's the Beef shirt? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not you should have been. Yeah, those were a little bit too, uh, maybe too cool for me at that time. I was probably rocking a Smurfs t-shirt. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was little, and but I remember that this movie did start a craze for karate slippers. So right after I saw this, all the little kids my age had like these little like um, almost ninja slippers. They're mm-hmm. like look like socks with terrible soles on the bottom, no arch support. And uh, my my little brother and I got um, like uh, what did we get? We we got a uh, karate do- geese. Mm-hmm. to wear his pajamas and we, I think, uh, yeah I think, I think i started taking karate around this time oh yeah yeah like right around karate had been big globally i think bigger than it was uh like i guess on a national level in the u.s I mean, it was starting to gain some traction obviously this kind of helped it and like the chuck norris's and bruce lee's of the world but i remember being like in uh, damascus Syria, like visiting my mom's family like in early 80s and bruce lee was probably the biggest uh movie star there and it was huge. It's the first place I ever saw Enter the Dragon or any of those movies. And, you know, there was dojos everywhere and people were taking karate. So it was uh, it was gaining some momentum, I guess. I obviously didn't stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching this and I, I kind of took like a deep dive into the uh, the Cobra Kai kingdom. And I started watching the Netflix special and I was like, man, I wouldn't fucking take karate. And I was like, nah, dude, you're 40. Like, you're not doing that. So, yeah, the short lived dream. <laughs> I yeah, like cr- the idea of just co-opting doing karate. Like that, like that happened multiple times in the '80s, where people co-opted the fashion of a sport but didn't actually do the sport. So it's like rugby shirts. You know what? We're gonna wear a gi. We're not gonna practice karate, <laughs> but I got these slippers. You know? <laughs> totally, dude. Zilla, all I did uh, was I think I think this movie created a generation of aggressive boys that didn't actually practice karate. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> like I, my brother and I just like destroyed our living room by jump kicking each other. And like that was a gateway drug to WWF <laughs> at the time. And look at you just tore up the house, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm sure there were parents that were upset uh, at, at the influence of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like now I watch it and I think it's so wholesome. But imagine you're taking like a five, five to seven year old boy to see this and just afterwards, they're just like punching holes in walls and like trying to crane kick everything in the in the apartment. Yeah, it was the, the, the karate boom. <laughs> uh, growing up in D.C., we had a, a, a local semi celebrity named June Rhee, June Rhee Karate, whose uh, slogan was uh, nobody bothers me. And it was his kid saying it. And then uh, his claim to fame was lasting uh, a full battle with Bruce Lee. And then he opened a dojo in like Silver Spring, Maryland or something. But he was, uh, you know, had local TV commercials and he was capitalizing. Yeah. On the. Uh, Nobody the bothers thing. me. Nobody yes. bothers me. That is, yo, my God, that is like the most possible outcome of someone being like kind of an incel. Like, do we need <laughs> to bring more karate back to like eat like. Like, you know, less guns, more, more sweep in the leg, you know, because that just sounds like such an aggressive pitch where it's like, hey, buddy, nobody bothers me. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Zilla, I'm going to put the I'm going to put the jingle into this podcast episode. But it, w- yeah. it went. <laughs> we got to send that to her. Yeah. It, it's a when you take June self-defense, then you, too, can say 
nobody bothers me. And it was like the coolest 80s commercial. <laughs> and, it, and it was just on like all of, you know, the public access local stations. Yeah. And every kid knew it. Like if you were walking in a hallway in an elementary school in DC and you, and you belted that out, people would like get into karate stances. Yeah, and his two kids did the tagline. Like his daughter was like, nobody bothers me. And then his son was like, nobody bothers me either. It was basically like a mattress <laughs> warehouse commercial, but with like a karate theme. Yeah, sick. I love local I love small it. businesses. Yeah. Hyper specific, hyper, <laughs> hyper location specific. Uh, so yeah, so I think I've seen this movie at least 20 times. I have a pretty deep relationship with it. That's awesome. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I recently watched the, um, you know, the Cobra Kai on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and then that sent me back. I wanted to watch this again. And like, of, of course you two would be perfect um, for this. Cause like Sammy, obviously we grew up in the same era, but Zilla, like, I know that you're a fiend <laughs> for 80s pop culture. So. Absolutely. I got notes, man. Look. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love it when guests take notes. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive right into uh, this movie. We got Ralph Macchio stars as the Karate Kid. He's Daniel LaRusso, and he drives across the country with his single mom to uh, Reseda, California, which is just north of Los Angeles proper, uh, for her new job working in computers and aerospace, I guess. Uh, so uh, he gets to Reseda, where he is um, the lowest kid on the totem pole. And he's surrounded by a bunch of blonde kids who all love karate, the Cobra Kai. So he meets uh, Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi trains him in the art of karate, empty hand, self-defense. And he joins a tournament, uh, the All-Valley Tournament, where he has to uh, defend Miyagi Dojo's honor against the the Cobra Kai. And fix a flailing relationship. (laughs) With uh, Allie, played by a young Elizabeth Shue. I didn't realize that um, Elizabeth Shue was 21 when they filmed this, and she was playing like 16, and... Ralph Macchio is 22 years old, which makes me think like now, watching Cobra Kai, he's a fucking vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's not aged at all. I think what, you know, what was a weird thing for me as a girl, 80s baby, girls who had a crush on like Tiger Beat posters of Ralph Macchio, he's too slight for me. (laughs) He was just a little... You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to hang a post of a boy up on my wall who I wouldn't even fit in his jeans. He was tiny. And I do think, he, that being said, he represents, so, Newark Italian. It's like, imagine being an Italian kid in the theater and seeing that representation. Like, the first line is a mom going, tell Uncle Vinny I left the Parmesan in the red wine in the fridge. It's like, what? But then sadly, just, continues to send home the message that Hollywood Italians are violent because it's like, you had Godfather, now you have Karate Kid. But yeah, I love the like opening shot in Newark. Like even though it slams you right into SoCal, which I love that Gabe said, it's so much of SoCal. Um, that, like his accent and his mom is wonderful. Like as an adult, I realized how dope, like you're saying, she's like going to California to work in computers. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, a, it's like a teen version of Rocky. 
Yes. So like it's it it basically has that vibe too. I guess it was eight years after Rocky, almost nine, yeah, eight years after Rocky was made, but it has that yeah. similar uh, wrong side of the tracks, kid. Although you know, on an amateur level. Well, it's the same director as Rocky. Is it really? Yeah. So they're just recreating the Rocky story well, for that teens. Makes, that makes sense. <laughs> and this yeah. song, "You're the Best," yeah, is a rejected Rocky song. Which is like one of my favorite. Like now, I could listen to that. If that song came on in the gym, I'd do all my reps. That's a great the, uh, song. Seriously, the the narcissist anthem. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, that song comes on. I want to do my finger push ups and then my knuckle push ups and yeah. just you know what I mean. <laughs> but it's too melodic to be tough. <laughs> if you want to do push ups, you know, I mean, I the tiger was better. Or just listen to MOP. It'll work out. Those are your workout jams. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Can but, we cut together Karate Kid to MOP? I think that, that is be, hilarious. <laughs> that would be amazing, actually. I would watch a mashup of all the fight scenes of Karate Kid with MOP. Browns, yeah. Browns, Brownsville's best. That would be hilarious uh, to watch. But yeah, uh, Zilla, you brought up that he's coming from Newark, and he's a young Italian man. And we're learning early the Italian stereo... Like, they're, they're born violent. They're born hotheads. <laughs> And uh, it, but uh, it is it's it's an immigrant story, you know, and it's also a culture clash story. He, and he has the very much. It's true. He has the right? pigment of a Bollywood, the, the pigment and hair of a Bollywood star to me. Yeah, he doesn't code ethnically as um, Italian necessarily, even though he's like Sicilian, I think. But it makes sense. But yeah, well. well and the, it, I'm glad you brought up the hair and the complexion because the olive. That's what I think made him so dreamy because he was mm. so different looking from all the guys that were. And then when, when they put him up against uh, William Zabka, it's like this stark contrast because he's got like this. He looks like a ski ad or like a Ralph Lauren polo ad. And then you yeah. have Ralph Macchio, scrappy, tiny arms with this like sick accent, beautiful hair and swagger. Right. Yeah, yeah. He uh, it, and so, you know, in, in some ways he is a stand in for other for other races against like uh, the blonde white Aryan stereotype. Yeah, I mean, being a, being an olive skin uh, fellow myself, he gave me hope. You know, he was the swarthy <laughs> the swarthy heartthrob, the swarthy teen heartthrob. <laughs> right, and uh, and being from the East Coast, it's like right when he gets in the car with his mom, they're uh, they're like pea gr- pea green soup station wagon that they mm-hmm. have to that they have to push. Uh, before they can start it, uh, that you know, like uh, he, the way she's talking now, and I'm listening, I go, oh, she could be Italian, she could be Jewish, she could be on the Sopranos, like they just represent this um, this immigrant, uh, like a- ethnic white working class version of America, yeah. going to this antiseptic white suburb of Southern California, like the whitest. Right, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and uh, also Daniel Larusso, he he's got like an East Coast chip on his shoulder too. Like he's 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 funny, and he's got a uh, swagger, you know, um, in a way that uh, that doesn't feel West Coast. Like his yeah. character, his personality is in contrast to the suburbs that he's going to. No, it's true. It made him so much more relatable to kids like us from the East Coast. Like, except for you know, a, a, an evil <laughs> blonde dojo, we had like lac- kids that played lacrosse. We're basically that hybrid. Oh, in the yeah, in the suburbs. 
Yeah. Totally. Also, he plays soccer. That one scene where they're on the beach, it's like the introduction to the first time you see him have like any real uh, skill. Uh, yeah, is oh, that right, like, yeah, you yeah. know, in front of Elizabeth's shoe and like soccer is a universally beloved sport. So this leans into Gabe's like, you, you know, like this is a, he represents all races because it's like an Italian kid watching that, a Mexican kid watching that would be like, ah, Daniel's skinny, but he's nice with a soccer ball. You know, like there was a level, it's a poor man's, not poor man's sport, but it's a sport any, anybody from any social class could play soccer. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the world sport. Yeah. Well, all you, you don't, yeah. exactly, exactly. You don't need a helmet. You don't need padding. Nope. You just need a few, you need grass. All grass you need is grass. You make the goals up. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I liked, um, uh, Daniel is in watching it now as an adult, there's a really fun video uh, on YouTube where they say that they, they present Daniel as the villain of the story. And I wouldn't go so far as to, to say that. It's like a pretty hilarious video, and I'll put it in the notes. Um, but it's but he is, as much as he's sympathetic, and I totally identified with him as a kid, watching him as an adult, I'm like, yo, dude, you're a little bit of a hothead. Like, the very first scene where he gets in a fight with uh, William Zapka is at the beach. And Zapka, uh, the first thing he says when we meet uh, Johnny is Johnny says, Hey, it's my senior year and I'm trying to not like, I'm not trying to get in trouble. Like he's trying to fly straight and narrow. He sees his ex-girlfriend. He goes down to the beach to just talk to her. <laughs> and uh, Daniel LaRusso sticks his nose in where it's not welcome. Yeah. No, I agree completely. They don't know um, me. No. <laughs> Allie, the, the the whole the whole idea that Daniel might be the villain invalidates Allie's choice. And if anybody, and this is even more of a reach because I don't actually mean this, if you're gonna <laughs> go by that logic, then Allie is the villain because Allie, yo, in what I like to call the most wholesome shower scene in a movie ever, because they're in the shower together, but they're on a dance floor at a Halloween party. She's just like, yo, Johnny won't leave me alone. What you gonna do, son? So like. Yo, Ali is Ali is an instigator, man. She's an agitator. She <laughs> she start. Dude, he was trying. He's like he would see uh, you know Johnny's character and be like, oh, you know, it's better. He's like, what am I, what am I? He had he had an inner monologue that was like, I shouldn't be doing this. That's my inner monologue saying that I shouldn't be talking to you. He would try to avoid conflict almost at every turn, and she was like, no, just come to the arcade. She was setting him up. <laughs> come to the country club. Come to the arcade. It's bad. Yo. <laughs> And then thought- in the sequel, spoiler alert, she leaves him. So she, I feel like Allie was just about finding these chump dudes, giving them a good two years to like really find themselves. And then she was like, I'm out to the next dude. I mean, we can, yes, we can talk. Allie is, uh, I wrote down in my notes, um, what type of a psychopath <laughs> dates not one, but two different dudes in a karate tournament. Like every every woman I've ever met is like they're like oh i dated a dj once i dated a comedian once i dated a juggler who's like nope that's my lane and hops right from one uh karate dude to another one that's like that's just my take is like oh she has a type yeah she she modeled but no even worse 
He had nothing to do with karate. She was like, yo, my ex used to do karate. I'm going to need you to whoop my ex's ass. Right. <laughs> Introduces Daniel to karate. And, you know, I mean, I can't knock the hustle. Allie, a pretty girl, man. <laughs> Woo. But, hey, Zilla, that very first scene, Daniel, uh, he, um, Johnny doesn't want to fight Daniel. He, A, yes, he pushes him. But at which point, Daniel could have diffused the situation by laughing or being like, what's the deal? Why are you being so aggro? And gotten everybody on his side with words. Instead, he charges Johnny, not once, but twice. And then when Johnny comes down to pick him up, he sucker punches him. Which is insane. Uh, <laughs> I know. son. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so I don't feel bad when Daniel gets his ass kicked after that. Because it's like, oh, you kind of like, you didn't do anything to de-escalate this, my man. I thought it was kind of, no. I, I, I didn't mind that. I, th- I felt like that was like a kid out of place, East Coast kid sticking up for himself. But he also hits him back and he was like, we're good, right? We're f- that, that, that evens it up. <laughs> he actually said that verbatim. <laughs> like, we're okay, right? It's like, no, that's not how that shit works, buddy. Because he, yeah, exactly, Sammy. He running on... Newark time, and they're like, "No, nah, no, nah, son, you came to the West Coast. Like, that's not how. There's no honor here, you know. Like, it's not like we good. Okay, see you next week, you know. <laughs> right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Maybe that is just like a New Jersey way to make a friend. It's yeah. like they punch you, you punch them, and it's like, all right. Let's go get a slice. We good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> you can't hit that. You can't hit that guy. She's my sister's cousin's aunt's accountant. <laughs> that dude's off limits. <laughs> He's a friend of a friend of a friend of ours. Oh man! And you brought up uh, Zilla. You brought up my favorite scene, which is the uh, which is the Halloween scene. And amazingly, this movie takes place over the course of, of a whole year. That's like, right. Yeah. The timeline was, it's, it didn't feel that way at all. It felt like a week. Yeah. Like, so that means that there was no fighting or bullying after the first day of school. And then on Halloween, Allie whispers in Daniel's ear to start more shit. <laughs> right. And, uh, and then, but that's like the that's best. That's what scene. I do. <laughs> that's what I do when I take a shower with dudes. That's the only reason. <laughs> Ever take a shower with anybody? That's it's chilly and cold and awful. But if you're like trying to plan something, shower. <laughs> yeah. yeah, shower sh- together. Showers are like high school shit. When you realize immediately that it's a terrible idea and it's cold, and nobody has fun. <laughs> yes, the but, shower's like the second best time to be selfish. You know. <laughs> but I, I like the idea that the shower is the place where you can most easily brainwash someone into doing your bidding. Also, why is uh, Pat Morita just sitting outside of a group child shower? That was weird. You didn't, you didn't get that? Oh, that, I'm sorry. That happened at the end of uh, uh, the next movie. I watched him in succession. Oh, you... <laughs> a slice of Karate Kid, too. Dude, I dove deep as fuck into this one, man. Like, I watched Cobra Kai before I watched this. All 18, 20 episodes or whatever. And then I, it ended, and I was, like, done taking notes, and I just put the other one on. It's a direct continuation of uh, right after the tournament. But, you know, that's for... It's for another time. Uh, well, we can we can uh, talk about. Well, Pat Morita shows up at the end of this scene. Scariest scene in the movie for me when I was a little kid started with the Halloween dance and Daniel uh, pouring that uh, hose full of water onto Johnny, 
this 9-11 scene for Johnny. I mean, imagine the dude is just trying to roll a joint in the bathroom innocently. He hasn't thought about Daniel LaRusso in over a month. And now yeah. he's getting drenched with water because Allie whispered some shit in Daniel's ear. When uh, LaRusso runs, first he causes a car crash outside. Then he gets chased through fields by a bunch of skeletons. And this oh, was my terrifying. nightmare. Yeah, if you've ever been bullied in middle school or elementary school, this is, this is the worst, to be chased by a, a whole pack of dudes. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the, the, whole, the whole Cobra Kai vibe in the, in the beginning, especially on the beach with the dirt bikes and their, their, their vibe in general, uh, really, I think, I think they were the inspiration for the Lost Boys, for like uh, Kiefer Sutherland's team. Right, from, uh, from uh, everyone's favorite movie. Yes, yeah. yes. I, had, I, that, I mean, maybe it's the setting because it's, you know, California on the coast, but it really reminded me of that. And I could see if, you know, I think, I think Lost Boys came out two or three years later, but it, it, I got that vibe for some reason. Like a more, more wholesome, teeny version of uh, Kiefer Sutherland's Vampire Crew. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, watching it again, uh, one of the things I, oh, sorry, watching it again, one of the things I noticed is when Johnny gets wet in the bathroom stall, he runs out and a black kid dressed as Spider-Man goes, yo, Johnny, you all right? And I was like, yo, first, first black Spider-Man in cinema. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, preceding Will Mor- uh, the Will Morales Spider-Man. By uh, twenty yeah, years, Miles Morales. Mile, predates Miles. Miles Morales. You know. Oh man! So uh, I yeah, that scene is the best, and it's totally justified that those skeletons are chasing Daniel to kick his ass. Like he he asked for it, and cops. Why aren't there police also chasing Daniel for causing that car crash? Because I think Daniel would have ended up dead. Yes, I was about to say, you trying to kill Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I like what Sammy was was saying about the Lost Boys, because I agree with Sammy. They they have that touchstone moment in that movie. Like, that was uh, replicated over and over again in other teen movies, where, like, you have a gang, and they're showing that, like, gang mentality, where it's like, um, when when they have Daniel up against the fence, there's one guy who's like, nah, like, don't keep going and then you have that crystallization of the like they've all been indoctrinated by um crease at the cobra kai where it's like no keep going because this is what we're about now and like it kind of crosses that threshold and you're right in lost boys it's jason patrick where he's like whoa 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 and they're like nasa and you're one of us you know so like that is a really great um like that that's the outline for that scene that happened over and over again in movies yeah it definitely felt that way to me yeah it, just, it pops into my head immediately when i was watching it you know that scene where they're hanging off the bridge with the trestle and lost boys like that whole group dynamic running on adrenaline basically i mean obviously you know the vampire thing is a little bit different but uh, uh and also you may have seen the same dynamic in uh point break sure with uh with that gang as well less but, remorseful uh, but yeah same, similar i Back love uh I love the Cobra Kai uh, crew. All of them do have their own personality, especially upon rewatch. Like you've got Bobby, who uh, we've already brought up as kind of like the guy who says, no, don't. Like he's the conscience of Cobra Kai. And also, uh, he's also like the, the biggest follower who regretfully sweeps the leg. And then you've got uh, uh, Tommy, 
who is uh, who's the cheerleader, who's always like, yeah, put him in a body bag. Right, that's the guy encouraging. Put him um, in a body bag. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> like we are talking, we're talking about local championships, and you want your boy to merc someone for a local championship trophy. Right. Like you need to reevaluate. Like yeah. all Valley Championship. That's like such small potatoes. That's not even all LA. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, but the most psychotic of the of the gang is Dutch, who is uh the the like the like the like pla- like platinum full aggression of Cobra Kai. Uh the kid with the, the platinum eyebrows. The, yeah. the the guy who is the who seems the most dangerous is uh Dutch, the guy with the platinum blonde hair, who is yeah. just the most menacing of the Cobra Kai. Remember I feel him? like that's the metric for blonde. Yeah. The lighter blonde you are, the more villainous. If, if um, what what you call it, Rutger Hauer in a Blade Runner proved the whiter the hair, yeah, or the more likely you are. He was basically translucent in the Hitcher. He was straight up evil. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, man. Uh, how do you all feel about um, Miyagi watching this as an adult? Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, R.I.P. I I didn't realize he was nominated for an Oscar uh, for this movie. Yeah. And I think it it goes back to that one scene. um, The uh, he had like a like a like a a Captain Quint and Jaws moment when he talks about the war and Captain Quint of the USS Indianapolis speech, which I think was criminally underrated as far as uh, Oscar nominations should go. But it was like a, a pretty like dynamic acting job as as the character. Like that. I mean, I think he was in essence like you know, the, the corner still into the film. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, the whole uh, thing Pat seems Mar- like, a, a, like a California kid's like apology letter to like Japanese internment. To make, like, a Japanese, <laughs> yeah. You know, character. And the thing is, his name is Pat Morita. He doesn't Absolutely. have a nickname, but they gave him Neo, Neo Greek, like his original official Japanese name. He didn't want to put that on, on the credits, but they did because they really wanted to market his Japanese-ness the film also that scene the the whole the whole scene where you find out that his uh his wife died during childbirth the producers wanted it cut out and they had to fight fight to keep it in the movie and it's probably the best scene in the film and from an acting standpoint at least so you never trust yeah. the fucking producers or the studios well, when you're making art i guess is the, the motto oh, no yeah <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Pat Morita is like now as a comic going back and looking at, he was a blue comic, you know, like, so he was completely known in Hollywood. The reason they didn't want to cast him initially, they wanted the guy from Rashomon, I think they wanted a like act. They wanted a, 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 an Asian actor that came from another country because they thought the reason they, like you said, uh, Sammy, they made him use his uh, like real name uh, or they asked that he did because they were trying to give this like a prestige stamp and they didn't think that Pat Morita on his own because he was a blue comic could give it that prestige and I just want to say that I know people constantly think that like oh man Pat Morita must have hated for the rest of his life being like oh Mr. Miyagi but he deserved that after playing Arnold in Happy Days where he had to he's American like he was born yeah. in America had no accent and they forced him to use an accent his name as a character on uh, Sanford and Son was Ah Chu was his character's name. So for him to go and like just completely own 
this role and be like for many years, like I messaged my brother. So before the, you guys asked me, after you asked me to do the podcast, I messaged my brother who was the one that really like loved Karate Kid in my house. And he, I said, what is the thing you remember now as he's a fireman, you know, in his forties. And he sent me the scene where he talks to Daniel about balance. So you have to imagine that Pat Morita went from being this like terrible stereotype comic relief to being this cat that taught so many American men or people in general about balance, about like, you know, going above and beyond. And there's a beauty there to that because he like owns it. You know, it's like great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that, like I, an ethnic angel. It's like America's apology for institutionalized racism. We love doing that. Absolutely. It's been done with black characters from the beginning. But uh, with Pat Morita specifically, this idea, like you, you brought up, they wanted Toshiro Mifune to play the character of Mr. Miyagi. And he's the samurai in all of Akira Kurosawa's films. And that would have been like getting the Japanese Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically, like this action hero to play the character. Right. But uh, what I love is that a comedian actually does better in a role like this, like this is Pat Morita having this role, this dramatic turn, is kind of like Adam Sandler doing uh, Uncut Gems in, a, in, in the same way where it's like totally against type. When this came out, no one expected this performance from Pat Morita. And uh, it's, such a, it's such a surprise and celebration of his, of his true talent to have him in this role. Um, and, and that's also around this time World War II vets were all still alive. And mm. a lot of them were ingrained with this crazy racism towards Japanese people. Like if you watch other movies from the early 80s and late 70s, the, uh, it's, it's all stereotypes. And it, in, including our, economically, this was around the time where uh, American workers were very fearful of Japanese automakers and Japanese camera makers and all these electronics coming from uh, from Japan. So there was like a ton of xenophobia and to have a hero for American kids that was Japanese American was groundbreaking. Absolutely. Right. This is it's it, he it, also it's doesn't get ripped. Like there's no <laughs> Mr. Miyagi is not like pulling a car or like you know like I think it's dope that they just let him be Mr. Miyagi. And oh, can we briefly talk about I know what was the name of the Japanese actor that they almost cast? Uh Tashiro Mifune. Yeah. I Infinite Universe Karate Kid which would have had him as Mr. Miyagi, Sean Penn as Daniel. That movie sounds like Platoon. That sounds miserable. <laughs> a very dark and serious version of the film. Yes. Was that who was supposed to be cast? Yes. Yes. Two, wow. the, the two alternates was Charlie Sheen or Sean Penn and even crazier, Crispin Glover for Johnny, which would have been even more terrifying. Crispin Glover in a skeleton <laughs> outfit busting somebody's ass. That would have been nightmare fuel. <laughs> Right. Directed by David Lynch. I feel like they picked the perfect guy no. for that role. I feel like uh, Zabko was like perfectly cast. He has such a hateable yeah. face. He got yes, shit for the next 30. From... They're all from New York. Yeah, they're all from New York. Yeah. He, he, he got shit for the next 40 years. People would talk shit to him when they would see him in public. He was just like, yeah, people still say something. People still say stuff to me. 
which is, is I mean, that, you know, the movie's obviously like one of the most popular films of modern, modern history. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess he was the original uh, Prince Joffrey, you know, where <laughs> you're, he did such a good job as the character that people hated him afterwards forever. But mm-hmm. after I saw William Zopka in this, I, as a kid, I, I was like waiting to see him in more performances and it kind of feels sad that he didn't get cast more after this. Yeah. Like I remember he, him in he this. He is in another in classic. He's in just show? one of the guys. Oh. No, just <laughs> one of the guys, which is like a fantastically weird, bizarre, gender bending film, but he's in just one of the guys. I know like that movie. And I, like he's a bully. I remember him in that. The journalist that goes undercover is a dude. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yep. I've seen that a couple times. Uh we were we were talking about your uh, Zilla, your brother was so um he learned life lessons from Miyagi. And I wrote down a bunch of Miyagi, like sort of lessons that I got watching this. Like one of them is that he, uh, he sets up the tournament for Daniel and Daniel freaks out and he go, and he's like, I'm going to get my ass kicked. I can't win this. And he goes, I saved you from two months of beatings. So just like, He just kicked the can down the road, but also, yeah, like I'm just postponing you getting your ass kicked every day. So this was a victory. It's true. Or uh, when he goes to the tournament and Daniel's like, I don't know. Do you know anything about karate tournaments? And Miyagi's like, no, not really. I don't, I don't know what we're doing, but sort of to learn to fake it until you make it gracefully. Hmm. Like put yourself in a position, and you will rise to the occasion of that posi- of that challenge if you train. It was the nothing to it but to do it mentality. Yeah. So I think so those the biggest like- takeaway, once again for me, is like don't judge a book by its cover. Daniel never gets muscles. That's not the point. Like mind of matter. And then, like, Mr. Miyagi is the toughest dude in that entire neighborhood. And, like, don't misjudge. Because, once again, the strength of William Zapka's performance is he literally looks like a Ralph Lauren ad or a, like, just a, like, what would be the equivalent of a Hollister dude for, like, later generations? He looks like he could handily whip everything's ass. And they prove that with perseverance and practice, you know, so there's also the physicality lessons of, of Karate Kid, the wax on, wax off, and like, you know, the posing in the beach, like that people, like, was a new concept at the time, you know? Yeah. I, I, I couldn't even honestly imagine another actor in that role. I mean, obviously it's been in, in, embedded in your, in, in, ingrained in your head since it came out, but like having Sean Penn, like I don't, I think the last thing that that character needed was like a more nuanced uh, storyline or like a, you know, a more nuanced character. You know, like a, not we didn't need like a Heath Ledger Joker performance for uh, for Johnny Lawrence. We just needed him to look that way and be a dick. Then it was perfect. So simpler, yeah. simpler is better. Uh, and Johnny's whole training is all striking and uh, offense. And what I got from this, as much as it's about defense, uh, you know, I think that's the easiest way to look at it. But it the the concept of balance and just sort of fundamentals. It's like everything that Daniel learned around uh, repetitive motions to defend yourself and to gracefully move things out of your way mm-hmm. is uh, life lessons for, for, any, for anything, like um, just standing in any situation, 
which kind of is what how Miyagi's entire acting performance is. It's just sort of like gracefully being there, being balanced with both feet on the ground and Subtle. able to take whatever's coming at him. Subtle but present. Yeah. Also child labor. Mr. Miyagi maximizes the child labor. He's like, yo, go paint this. Yo, go wax this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's like, you're going to pay me somewhere or another. I used to say that like my whole teaching style was Mr. Miyagi, which is like for the small window of time I have you, I'm going to teach you something, but also go home. You're not, I'm not your parents. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm into killing two birds with one stone. You know what yeah. I mean? So yes, paint the fence. I think about that too. Like uh, as a former teacher, I try to teach, I always try to teach my kids skills. And then uh, at the end of the day, have them apply those skills and then be shocked and surprised that the, the things that I had them do actually had value. You know what I mean? So like I, 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 I took a lot of life lessons from just how Miyagi taught Daniel. On a, on a side note, he, he designed the uh, bonsai tree logo for Daniel's gi. Oh yeah? Pat yeah. Morita did? He did. I thought that was one of the coolest effects. Of the, I like that. I was so I also, shocked to find out yeah. that uh, when you cut bonsai, because you know they have all these scenes of him continually cutting the bonsai, kind of like in a, a scene where people are eating. You can't <laughs> yeah. actually cut a goddamn bonsai that much. So like Pat Morita had to like pretend Because you literally only snip once a month, you know, like, but he's just going to town, like talking to Daniel, you know? Yeah, yeah. It would have been more realistic if he had uh, like 30 bonsais and he just kept taking one down and being like, yep, one snip, move it along, take another bonsai, <laughs> snipping it here. Uh, I learned something from that scene, too. I thought that was really cool where he's like, visualize the tree and then cut the bonsai to fit your image and there's no wrong way to do it. And that's how I feel about the creative process is like, you know, I, I come up with a plan when I start writing a sketch, but then however it turns out is how it turns out. It's kind of like how a bonsai tree, none of them look the same. They all look different, but they're all perfect. Well, that's a, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. sweet. Yeah, but it's just the art of uh, of accepting whatever you do as perfect. It can only be one way, the way that you made it. Sammy, what was it that you said? The one thing is, what is it to do it? You said like a really like catchy one line, no, Sammy. Uh, nothing to it but to do it. There you go. It's true. That's right. Still true today. <laughs> yeah. Walk on the left side of the street or the right side of the street, but don't walk in the middle, which is uh, no half-stepping, homie. Ain't no half-stepping. Uh, stay in your lane. <laughs> don't half-ass Co it. Commit to the bit. Commit to the bit. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I love Daniel's mom. Mrs. LaRusso is the unsung hero of this movie. She's so uh, upbeat. So positive. Amazing. It, in every scene, she, uh, she's, she looks on the sunny side of life. And also, uh, to, uh, I admire single moms so much more now as an adult. 
And the fact that she was able to drive across the country with a whining teenage boy yeah, he was super and put up, with his, <laughs> put up with all of his griping the whole way without murdering him or uh, resorting to the bottle. Uh, thumbs up <laughs> for Mrs. LaRusso. Just, uh, yeah, she's uh, incredibly positive. I love, love that. I was going to talk about her in the beginning, but I'm glad that we mentioned that aspect of it. Right. No, I mean, I'm, I, I'm just glad that you brought up, uh, you know, Miss LaRusso, because uh, I don't think her character gets enough credit uh, as like a positive force in, in the film and just in general. Marita gets a lot of credit, but she deserves it. Upbeat single mom, taking her kid, taking her bitchy kid across country, start a new <laughs> life. That can't be easy. And she didn't, she didn't even flinch. I also no love hesitation. that they don't go for the obvious uh, Daniel's mom and, and Mr. Miyagi. Like, I love that those are two adult characters that exist and they don't have to find love. Like, I feel like now a lot of movies, like, very neatly, like, his mother would have gotten with the guy from the other dojo or something really silly and stupid. But instead, they just exist as these, like, supporting characters. And they also have their own agendas. They have their own lives. Like, Daniel has his own life. It doesn't need to be, like, super nicey-nice, neat, tied together. Also, you can tell they're from the East Coast, and this is Latchkey Kid era, because uh, Mrs. LaRusso is fine letting Daniel hang out with this, the custodian of the apartment built complex the, all day. It's like, yo, go hang out with the super. It's cool. Oh, you guys are just cutting bonsai trees? Right. Whatever. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I love the complex. Can we talk about how it's supposed to be a shithole? And I would pay good money to live in a complex with a pool that just needed to be cleaned and a super who was really like sharing his culture with people. What? <laughs> Can I move in tomorrow? <laughs> Dude, especially now in Corona time, uh, to have like an, uh, all that fresh air in an open courtyard where you could be friends with all of your neighbors. Yeah, yeah I love that. Absolutely. And, like, you wouldn't even need a security guard or anything because that old lady is just downstairs all day in her uh, beach chair. Yeah, the grandma from Happy Gilmore. Oh, it is the grandma from Happy yeah. Gilmore. <laughs> She's in a lot of stuff. She's been playing the old lady for the better part of, like, 50 years. <laughs> Which, you know what? Sign me up. Well, yeah. If, you, if, if, you they, could... if they were, like, tomorrow, they were like, you're just going to be the old lady and yeah. everything, I'd be like, all right, I'm good. It's good, it's, it's good work if you can find it. <laughs> You just got to take it. I was just going to ask you guys if you think, I think the 80s is by far the best, uh, or at least most upbeat, but still best uh, era for, for teen movies. Like, I don't think anything's ever come close to, like, the sort of different styles, but, like, just in general, the whole teen film genre is was never done better than in this 10-year span. Between John Hughes, films like this, I mean, there's just nothing... Uh, I don't think anyone's come close. And they've also huh. shifted to almost like straight up dumb comedies now instead of anything involving teenagers. Uh, I, don't, I don't count Twilight in that mix. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder. I think the, the most contemporary uh, analogy to these things is like Judd Apatow films. Right. But there was but, like, there's almost no heart to those movies, even though they try. I agree with Sam okay. on that. And like, I think what I didn't want, I didn't want to bash Judd Apatow, but I mean, I don't even put him in the same league as like a John Hughes or any of these other guys when it comes to like making like a good movie outside of it just being like, cause these aren't comedies, but they're relatable to everybody and they're, they're good. They have, they have a message and they're, you know, 
different different completely than an Apatow movie about getting yeah. someone knocked like, up on a first date or whatever, one night stand. What I like about eighties movies, and I don't think that they intended to ruin uh, the vibe in the nineties, but I think they tried to do a positive thing, which is if they had made Karate Kid in the nineties, he would have been like, "Shut up, Mr. Miyagi! I don't have a dad," and that's not important to the Karate Kid. Okay. <laughs> And it reminds me of this movie, uh, the movie that I thought of when Sam was talking about, like, this weird, uh, I hate the term now because it's been, just, like, destroyed and ruined, but the pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing that's in a John Hughes movie, that's in a, that vibe. Uh, have you ever seen Some Kind of Wonderful with Eric Stoltz, where it's like, the whole plot is like, he's trying to figure out whether or not he wants to go to college, or whether or not his parents have the means. And it's like this it's almost like back to what Gabe was saying about how it's this really small karate championship. It doesn't matter. The movie's still going to treat it like this really like the zeitgeist, all these forces coming together so you can prove that you did it. And I think what happened is like they got too realistic in the 90s where they had this scene where like Daniel would have cried about some bullshit about his mom being a single mom. And that would have ruined <laughs> it. Like, you know, I don't, you know, like that's, we should still try for that representation. But it's a Hollywood yeah. movie through and through. So it's yep. all about like, uh, you know, it's your hero story. He comes to a new place. He has a problem named Johnny. And, <laughs> you know, like, and he establishes himself as the karate kid. Boom. I, I, yeah. I think I, I agree in the sense I think it's era based because I think right after this, like, and especially right after 1990, you get like the sweeping wave of uh, Gen X and Gen Z entitlement that's crippled. America now so like you don't even get that you just get there'd be so much more bitching and there would be none of the acceptance coming from Johnny from from Daniel's character if it was made 10 years later 20 years later you just don't get there'd that because kids, kids yeah. suck now. there'd be a, a a Pearl Jam's Jeremy would be playing as Daniel right. is bullied right and it would be like and he know. he'd be certain he'd be shopping for a gun and Miyagi would be like no, Ooh. Daniel. Ooh. Yeah, no the school answer isn't guns. Yeah, right. the it's answer is fishing. Real. Right. Nobody owes crane kick. Speaking of fish, you just reminded me of like what I think is weird about Free Willy. Like, doesn't it? point where they go to great lengths to be fish is my only friend. We didn't need that. Like, we didn't need to know your parents sucked. You could have just been saving the whale, and that's what Karate Kid is like. Daniel is just wants the girl he wants people to respect him and that's it it doesn't like you like gabe said daniel doesn't go to therapy i'm not saying therapy is bad therapy's great but like it's like i think sammy you're right the john hughes movies also like uncle buck there's so many things you can unpack about uncle buck but at the end of the day it's just no that's your uncle you should love him he loves you right we don't <laughs> worry about his drinking problem yeah. <laughs> we just, uncle we buck doesn't go to yeah he doesn't go to 12 step like it's, it's like 80s repression, but in a good way. Sometimes you need to repress that shit. Sometimes not everything needs to be talked about. That's true. Yeah. Like Dan Daniel doesn't even get over all of his problems in this. You no, know? like dude, that guy. He he's a flawed character, right? He's he's got a chip on his shoulder um, about like not having enough money, and he blames Allie all the time. Like like she. You know, they're out in public and Allie loves hanging out with them, especially at like putt-putt or like that golf-and-go nonsense. And her friends are driving by in cars and they're like, hey, can get in the car with us, Allie. 
And she's like, nah, I'm with Daniel. And he, instead of feeling good about that, is like, why don't you get in the car with them? You don't really want to be with me. Like, that's like, he's got some serious self-esteem problems that he never really gets over. I mean, he's just projecting his own insecurity. I mean, also, he held his dad's hand when he died and he was like a kid. So that kid's got some, some, some real uh, therapy work, you know, to be done. But there's something karate can't solve. <laughs> the, the, gaping, the gaping hole in your heart might be one of them, but we'll see if we, if we become self-aware. I mean, we know now because there's a continuation of these two characters that they take into a series. So, yeah. I recommend. Uh, yes, they're bringing the, the theory is Allie's coming back, right? The theory now is that Allie's going to come back to into the fold. Oh, really? Dude, yeah. yeah. How are they still hung up on her after 30 years in high school? High school means a lot to a lot of people, man. I mean, you know, there was a whole show, Married with Children, all about Al Bundy never getting over high school. I mean, I guess that would be the worst time to peak. I think the only carryover for me from high school to now is like I still masturbate. It's like the only similarity between me and that cat. Up. <laughs> and maybe like 90% I'm of with, my friends. I'm with Sammy. And that's, you know, back to what Sammy was saying, but like I'm with Sammy right, about, about that. Where it's like high school. Yes, masturbation. And also like <laughs> high school ain't shit. You know what I mean? Like I be talking to my niece and she's like gets so in her own head about things that go on in high school. And I'm like, I wish I could implore, like how can I just get the point across to you that in, Three years, none of this will really matter. Yeah. But I think the strength of Karate Kid and John Hughes movies is the high school is all of life. Do you know what I mean? Like it is the end. It is this like own environment and world to accomplish things in, and and you know let everybody know and the good guys and the bad guys. But yeah, no high school bullshit. Masturbation is great. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone views high school differently. I mean, I'm with I, Sammy. Team I, Sammy. Like every, it's true. But I mean, high school is different things to different people. The kids that I know that tried the hardest to be cool in high school always didn't end up being that way. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't have a traumatic high school experience. I was fine. I had friends. It was good. Like I had no no complaints. But I would never ever want to revisit that period of my life for fun or even think about it for some of the decisions I made because none of them matter. I'm talking socially, you know, not academically. Just don't put anybody in a body bag. The one thing you shouldn't do in high school, they were encouraging Johnny (laughs) to do. Do not put anyone in a body bag and the rest of your life will be full of masturbation and fun. Also, stop getting into fights over Allie. You know, it's not worth it. You guys (laughs) broke up. Shit is done. (laughs) Fucking move on, dude. It's okay. Stop fighting random in Newark on the beach. Allie's the big boss. Right, like yeah. in the NES game, the, the last board you didn't know the door's open yeah. and it's Allie. She's the other. right. It's true. If bring her back. Right. That would be interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, John Kreese, John Kreese at the end of this one, or what's his name, the uh, the dojo leader for Cobra Kai, Kreese. Yeah, John Kreese. Kreese. Yeah. Kreese. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, Kreese should have tried to uh, to enroll Allie in Cobra Kai. Like, he should have seen that she's really the final boss and been like, all right, Johnny's out. We need to make you the, the, the lady black belt champion of All Valley. That would have been a business power move if he did that. Wow. Yeah. And she would have just pulled up to the mat. She didn't even need to sweep <laughs> the leg. She would have just been like, Daniel, lose my number. I found somebody else. And he would have just, yeah. like, fallen over dead. You know, like, <laughs> Oh, he would have had the uh, the Ralph Wiggum's heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go play I putt putt with you. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go play putt uh, putt with other people. Yo! Oh my uh, god! <laughs> fi- uh, final final thoughts about Karate Kid, friends. What do you guys What do you guys think about this as a as a review upon uh, reflection? Sammy, go first. Go? Want me to go? Uh, I mean, I I loved it. I hadn't seen it since it came out, and that was you know thirty years ago when I, you know, probably when I saw it on VCR. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those movies that's still good. It's still awesome. Like it resonates for all the, all the right reasons. Like it's got good, good lessons for what it was. Like, as far as like, you know, a story about a kid from the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, fitting in in high school and all the other stuff. Like they just, it's perfectly done in that sense. Um, and honestly that the acting Miyagi was, was rock solid. It was fun to watch him. I didn't realize, like, when you're a kid, you don't you don't appreciate those performances. You don't like, oh, this is the sad part. This is this part. This is the beat up part. Like this, you kind of like you appreciate all the aspects of you know what goes into making something like this. Uh, and I loved it. Chock full of life lessons. You fight. Also, one thing I loved about the movie is the pacing of the last fight scenes was so perfect. They weren't these like drawn out, deliberated fight scenes. They were over in ten seconds of peace, and it was awesome. It's just like why waste time? Just get to it because that's how that you know, I think that's how those tournaments look in real life. But yeah, I mean, I, I love it. It's like, it's, it's karate kid. It's <laughs> like the best tagline is it's way better than you thought it was, I guess, even if you liked it. Um, so I would give it, uh, eight, eight to harken back to the Johnny, Johnny bathroom scene. I would give it eight out of 10, uh, horribly rolled joints. <laughs> Soggy <laughs> joints. <laughs> the joint look like fucking garbage. But yeah, yeah, that's my take. Uh, oh yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, yeah, I'd say when I watched this movie the first time in the '80s, uh, I was really wrapped up in the skeleton costumes, and I really cared a lot about the tournament. And now, watching it as an adult, I'm so much more. Uh, excited for Pat Morita's performance as Mr. Miyagi. And I'm really curious about his backstory. I thought that this film had a lot of heart. And uh, and I'm also uh, paid a lot more attention to the nuances of Ralph Macchio's performance as a 22-year-old from Newark, New Jersey, playing a 16-year-old from Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I give this movie um, so eight mangled bonsai trees out of uh, out of 10 <laughs> eight poor, poorly pruned bonsai trees and i'm going to listen to the soundtrack working out later today bananarama remember that shit cruel summer yep um so my take on it first of all i agree with sammy uh i think it is as it exists a wonderful like i was so taken watching it as an adult by how 10 minutes in they're already in SoCal. There's no scene. It like it's such tidy like, like storytelling, and there is they trim the fat. Uh, nothing is garish. So like when they're talking about uh, Mr. Miyagi's experiences, it doesn't feel like they don't make him like twitch. He doesn't have PTSD. Like they do it as respectfully as possible, knowing that it's a teen movie. Um, I was more taken aback now by the class issues. I think, like, I know you talked about before, like, Allie, like uh, his frustration with Allie. It must be really hard when, like, your homegirl's uh, cashmere sweater is, like, your rent. You know what I mean? Like, I, you could love a person, 
but like that was interesting. And it's very much back to the Reagan element. It's very much a Reaganomic story, which is like this big class divide. Um, I honestly, you know, as a person who went to film school, I think it's shameful that they don't show things like Karate Kid or like they besmirch Karate Kid. Because Karate Kid is a like 80s Hollywood, you know, a sleeper hit. At the time, they made it for a little bit of money and it made oodles of money. And I give it eight out of 10 leg sweeps because, you know. <laughs> wow. A clean, a, a, clean, a clean leg sweep of eight. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, that's great. And it should I be think, shown in film school. I agree with you, Zilla. Yeah, I think people write it off because they think it's like a hokey high school movie about karate, but it's it's far, it's actually like a, a, a way more, I hate using this term, woke movie than people think it is on all levels. Single moms, inter-ethnic relationships, you know, uh, class struggles. There's a lot yeah. more to it than you would think. And, uh... So basically, don't watch yeah, movies as a kid because you're just wasting your own time because you don't get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I take that back. Uh, well, uh, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Zilla, for being uh, on our episode about Karate Kid. Thanks, Where can Zilla. people find you? What, uh, what, what would you like to promote today? Uh, Instagram at Zilla Vodness or on YouTube where I am currently uh, going through um, doing review or reaction videos to old 80s and 90s music videos. So uh, that's pretty fun. <laughs> but thank you guys for having me. It's always a blast to be on Eat, Pray, Judge. And, you know, I, uh, Karate Kid was a fantastic movie to come back thank for. You. So thank you. It was awesome. All right, thanks. Uh, you can find me at GabePacheco.com. And uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to Eat, Pray, Judge on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like stand-up comedy, you can check out Funhouse Comedy every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. on Zoom that I uh, host with my, my partner in comedy, Samir Nassim. See ya. Thanks for listening.